right, here we go. We're in the Bible, we're hitting the ground running. You ready? First Peter chapter one, verse three. Don't take time to look it up, we'll put it up here. Celebrate. That wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for his extravagant mercy has given us new life. Can somebody say yes? We are reborn. Can somebody say I'm born again? We are reborn to experience. We are the generation destined for experiential manifestation and revelation of the glory of God, the tangible manifestation of God's presence. Woo! We are reborn to experience A, here's my title, living and energetic hope. A living energetic hope. Say this with me. I am enthused. I'm going to try the born again sign. I am enthused. Statistics tell us that there are more Christians depressed today than ever in history. Over 60% of all Americans are on some form of antidepressant. Now, if that's you, stay on your meds. If your medical doctor tells you you okay, you can stop at his direction or hers, and you may take a hiatus from church for four weeks till everything gets evened out. You, you with me? Look, look, do you know there's an invisible force field around you, scientifically, that emanates from you over 25 feet. Do you understand that you are either, you know, Miss Joni and I, we raised German Shepherd dogs, best breed ever. I'm, I'm a little partial. Anyway, some folks don't understand why they can come around one of our dogs and they alert. Other people can walk right in and they think they're okay till I tell them to alert, right? Well, why is that? Other folks can walk right in. Dogs just calm as it can be, why? Other folks walk in, dog alerts, why? Because you give off a pheromone. Fear and faith can be smelled. Fear and faith can be picked up by other human beings around you. Haven't you noticed you can tell when somebody's depressed? You can tell if somebody's enthused, regardless of their outward appearance. Now, let me tell you why I can say you're all enthused. Because the same spirit that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Prince of God, has taken up residence 
on the inside of your mortal body. Let me say it this way. You've been infused. So you've been infused. You are therefore enthused. Say, I've been infused. And so now I'm enthused. Jesus is on the throne. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I shall condemn for this is the heritage of the children of the Lord. And our righteousness is of him. Woo, a thousand will fall at your left hand, 10,000 at your right, but it shall not come near you. Submit yourself unto God, James 4, 7. Resist the devil in word and deed, and he will run away from you disgraced. Woo, I wish I had half a church. Say, I am infused, and I refuse to not be enthused. Henry Ford said it this way. Show me Henry. There he is. Show me what he said. It's the next screen. Thank you. You can do anything if, if then. The biblical principle. God will do this if you do that. Then God will do this. Henry said, you can do anything. I hear the Bible. All things are possible to him that believeth. Whoo. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask anything and it will be done for you. I've quoted 15 scriptures to you already. You're having a good time. You can do anything if you have enthusiasm. That's what Henry Ford said. Henry Ford was a little bit successful. Uh, how many of you have ever ridden in or owned a Ford? Oh, hello. Don't get offended at me. Ford's a good automobile, but I was more a Mopar guy. And, and, and we said Ford stands for fixed or repaired daily. Anyway. Must be a pretty good vehicle. Old Henry sold 400 million Fords. That's 3.3 million a year for 120 years. Yeah, stay enthused. I say it this way. These are not they who are called great because they never failed. Let me see all of you that have failed today. That's what I thought. We're not called great because we never fail. We're called great because we refuse to quit because we're always either up or getting up. Touch your neighbor and say, get up, get up, get up. Winston Churchill, I love history. Winston Churchill said, success is the ability to go from one failure to another without the loss of enthusiasm. Woo! We had to teach Ashton that. She is such a perfectionist. I mean, raising this child. I mean, I know I'm anointed. I got her raised. She, she was such a perfectionist. She wanted to join everything. She's a ballerina. 
She's a gymnast. She's in soccer. She's in cheerleading. She's in softball. She's in volleyball. She's in everything. Except on Sunday and Wednesday. Anyway, I just parenthetically inserted that. Uh, and, and she was such a perfectionist. I remember she wanted to become, the Olympics had been on, so of course she decided she was going to be an Olympic skater. So Miss Joni paid for the skating lessons. We got her great skates, took her to the skating rink. She had to have the outfit. I mean, if you can't be good, look good. She had the little outfit, and she got out there, and there was some little girl she was doing, you know, where you leap up and you put your arms and you turn around and you land. Ashton had never been in a pair of ice skates. Ever. Out onto the ice she goes holding onto the rail. So the instructor says, everybody come this way. So she took one skate and then, and on her can. Normal, right? Nope. Did not get up unlaced the skates, tied them together, threw them over her arm, and said, if I can't do that, I ain't doing this. Can I just tell you, if you're not willing to do this, you ain't ever going to get to that. You can't stop because you messed it up. Everybody messed it up. Social media is a lie. We can't live our lives with a filter everywhere we go. Amen. Everybody knows you don't look like that. Right? Did you notice on social media, nobody ever fails? Their kids are perfect. <laughs> Won't you show them when they smeared their food all over the wall? Won't you do one of those, what are they called, reels? Won't you do one of those reels of them? Letting you have it. And then you let them have it. Oh, no. I didn't say that. Take that out. Hit the, hit the little button down there. You know they keep a little button down there. I'm not playing. They're afraid of me. Five second delay. Pick right back up. I'm having a good time today. Are you ready? Aristotle said hope is a walking dream. How many of you want to go sleepwalking? Have a dream. To be sure, it can be quite difficult to describe something so intangible as hope because you can't hold it in your hand, you can't see it with your eyes. Therefore, let's begin to this discussion of hope by turning to the revealer of all mysteries the ever-living, life-giving Word of God Almighty. Right there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 13, we catch a more than passing glimpse of our subjects, but it's in its loathsome antithesis. Not hope, but hopelessness. If you want to know what hope is, God's word says, look at hopelessness and go as far the other way as you can. And you'll end up at hope. Right there, we have recorded for our edification the experience of two men. How many men were there? There were two men. Their hope 
had evaporated like dew on a hot July morning. Following the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on that angry, cruel, mean, biting beam called Calvary, they, they had, in fact, they had been his companions. They had been his disciples. He was not unknown to them. They were not casually acquainted like a Sunday morning Christian. They were intimately acquainted with Jesus. They saw those nails four inches long, driven deep into that wood, splintered wood. The flesh nailer hanging him there. Like Mary Magdalene who had watched him, Mary the mother of Jesus, both of them, watched him breathe. Mary, his first breath. Now she watched him as he exhaled his last breath. They were there. They knew him. They followed him. They believed in him. Now, here's their testimony. Right there in your Bible. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about these things that had happened while they were communing and reasoning together. Always remember, reasoning is what you do when you don't have any faith. They reasoned together. Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were kept so that they could not recognize him. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, what kind of communication is this? And you are sharing with one another while you are walking, here it is, and why are you sad? Look at somebody next to you. Go ahead, they won't bite, and say, why are you sad? Why are you sad? Maybe not right now, because you got your church mask on. Why are you sad? Oh, we're going somewhere. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, dude, are you some kind of stranger here? Do you not know what happened here in these days? And Jesus said, like he doesn't know. He's always asking questions. He's a great attorney. He's always asking questions, but only the ones he knows the answer to. What things? They said, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet and powerful indeed and word before God and all the people. Verse 20. And how our chief priests and rulers handed him over. There's the blame game. To, the, to be sentenced to death and crucified. 21. But we were hoping. We were hoping that it was he who was to redeem us. Besides that, today is the third day since all these things happened. Even some of the women who were among us arrived 
at the tomb early and were surprised when they did not find his body. They returned saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was some of, verse 24, that he was alive, verse 24. Then some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him just days earlier. Think about it now. Two and a half, basically, days earlier, because the crucifixion was counted, any part of a day is a day. So it was three days. It was actually Friday night till Sunday morning, right after Saturday midnight. These two men had lived for at least three years, baptized with a promise of a new beginning. The Lord Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem to resounding hallelujahs and hosannas. But now, now they were discouraged. They were depressed. As the light of hope had been extinguished by the howling winds of his apparent abandonment. Why do we think God's always gone when he promised he'd never leave us? He'd never forsake us. They were physically and mentally, they were spiritually exhausted. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. All they wanted was to just go home and forget the entire sordid ordeal. They were confused and bewildered. They were disoriented. They watched in disbelief as their Messiah and King was savagely murdered by Roman executioners. His body was at that very moment, according to them, laying in a cold, borrowed tomb. To add to their distress, their most recent report in their daily news feed on their cell phone had informed them that his tomb had been raided and his body stolen with their own eyes. They'd witnessed him wipe the blindness out of Bartimaeus' eyes and with nothing but his touch wash the ashen white curse of leprosy away from those suffering without hope. They saw him make the twisted legs of the lame straight again. They were there when he demonstrated a mastery over demons and depravity and disease and at the tomb of Lazarus, even over death itself. But now, now, now it seemed that he was imprisoned by the very things that he had once commanded. The hope in their hearts, which had burned bright, has been extinguished, eradicated by the daunting reality they now face. The Prince of Peace, the God of Glory, their Master Messiah had perished. They were left with nothing but his memory. Oh, how many believers tried to survive on a memory of Jesus. Just a memory. 
Not up to date. Some folks have said, I got born again 45 years ago and I've been in the way ever since. Yeah, you've been in the way. Just because you were does not mean you are. Oh, 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 oh. I said, just because you were on fire doesn't mean you are. Just because you were anointed does not mean you are. Just because you were born again does not mean you are. Just because you were filled with the Holy Ghost and power with miracle signs and wonders happening all around you does not mean you are. They no longer felt any relationship with him. They were convinced that he was God. Now, God is dead. The empty ache of hopelessness they were experienced can neither be imagined nor described. They were like millions today who know the principles of Christianity but have no personal passion for its Christ and no presence of his Holy Spirit. These fear enthusiasm. Why do they jump? Why do they shout? Why do they sing? Why are we here so long? The only folks that talk like that are those who have a memory. Sure, they were still disciples. I mean, they loved Jesus. But the proof of desire, you understand, is pursuit. I lived in Pickerington. Miss Joni lived in Kirkersville. And we were both county kids, raised in the county. Now to get there, I had to leave my home, drive down Diley Road, turn left, go on 256 out to Route 70, down Route 70 to the Kirkersville exit, turn left. There was a demonic 35 mile an hour speed limit there. It's still there. And then I would turn right on Route 40, which is Main Street. And I would turn right and just past the home of the 22 caliber murderers was her house. And I can tell you this. They never had in the winter to put salt on any of those roads because I kept them hot. <laughs> I desired her and I pursued her. I chased her till she caught me. And then I plucked you right off the tree. Peach tree. She said a peach tree. The proof of desire is pursuit. Oh, I'd love to play the piano. No, you wouldn't. You haven't taken a single lesson. The proof of desire is pursuit. God, I need you to heal my cancer. Are you pursuing? God does not respond to casual acquaintance. He responds to passionate people of pursuit who refuse to let him go. I'm convinced they, these, like they were proud of his miracles, signs, and wonders. 
they could never forget him, and neither have you. But their love, watch me, was now in the past tense. They loved him. Now they have only a memory. No manifestation, a mental picture, but no living passion. Remember this. If you get nothing else, remember this. A painted fire. A beautiful Rembrandt, if you will, of a roaring fire. Regardless of how beautifully and realistically portrayed, will never warm you. Peter tried it. He warmed himself by the fire of the world and there denied his Lord three times. What's warming you? What's turning your crank? What causes you to throw the blanket off of you in the morning? What causes you to attack your work? What causes you to ferociously enter the day rather than allowing the day to attack you? We're looking at hopelessness. Do you know what hopelessness is? The idea that tomorrow will be no different than today. That's why we've lost faith in government over the last decade. Nothing changes. Here, here, here's what we have hope of if we're looking to them. It's bad, and regardless, it's going to get worse. We look at education. Public education in this nation has not improved in over 50 years. So we have no hope that it will improve. And if all you have is a yesterday with Jesus, it's impossible for you to have hope today much less for tomorrow. That stranger joined them. He could tell with one glance that they were desperately sad. Well, they demonstrated the key characteristics of hope abandoned, a cooling of enthusiasm, a downcast countenance. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Be not cast down, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. How dare us be alive by God's Christ and filled with his spirit and go through a day with our shoulders rounded and our chin down and a downcast spirit. I don't care what they did to you. What did he do for you? There was no gladness in their tone. This morning when I came into the building three or four hours ago, I ran into some folks and they said, how are you doing today? And I said, I'm thinking about joining the ballet. That's how I feel. 
I don't have a sad story. I don't have bad news. I'm alive with hope for tomorrow, help for a today, and a future that's secure. Look at somebody and say, get enthused a little bit. Silence is the language of defeat. Shouting is the language of victory. Yeah, that's right. I love wildfire a whole lot more than I love an iceberg. They acknowledge that Jesus lived bravely, that he fought valiantly. Kumbaya. But they admitted that in the end he failed. Jesus failed. He did all the good he could, but now they just had to face the facts and move on. Ooh, don't you ever tell me that. Don't you ever come up to me and talk about defeat. 30 years ago in the Santon Sun Hotel in Johannesburg, South Africa, God supernaturally extracted the meaning of the word defeat from my being. I don't know what you're talking about. All we do is win. We win. I read the last chapter of the last book. We win. And I saw Satan. Here's what they were really saying. And it's what we say a lot too. He just, Jesus, you know, good man. He just really, you know, the whole cross thing. He just wasn't up to it. That's what we say. That's what we say when the doctor looks at us and says you have to die and cannot live. That's what I could have said when they showed me the pictures. The man who wrote New York Times best-selling Silent No More. Now silent vocal cords frozen with cancer eight years ago. When I hung up that phone, I had a choice to make. I could believe he was, and he did, or he is, and he has. So don't mind me while I shout over vocal cords that were paralyzed. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he never changes, never has, never will. He is the eternally self-existent God, and he is equal to and up to whatever task this world throws your way. I wish I had half a church just shout for a minute. Shout, I feel enthused. I don't know where I am. Let's see. 
Would you remember this? My mother and father indelibly imprinted this upon my spirit from the time I was a small boy. You remember this. You are not the only one that has ever drank from the cup of despair drawn from the dark well of hopelessness. You're not the first, you won't be the last. We've all experienced disappointment, rushes in like a flood. When the bright promise of spring turns into the dark winter of our souls. But you hear this preacher today and you mark my words, let hope arise. Today we celebrate my son's 32nd birthday. Is it okay if I share this, Austin? Okay. When Austin was about three years old, we noticed that he kind of, like he used to eat everything in the world, like he's a big boy. Always has been. But he stopped eating. I was preaching 200 nights a year on the road, five, six, seven, eight times a week here. I did that for 30 years. We noticed that we could get behind him and shout his name, and he would just keep doing whatever he was doing. We thought, well, probably he has an ear problem. He'd had several ear infections and so forth. So we made an appointment with the Cleveland Clinic. And we went there and we saw their specialist. He examined our son. Please understand, I'm, I'm not talking about somebody else's son. Don't point your finger until you've walked a day in somebody else's shoes. They left the room abruptly, which I thought was rude. And when they came back in, they had added a doctor. And that was the last attention they paid to our son. But they brought their chairs up close to our knees and they said, please be seated. This is Dr. So-and-so. He is not here in regard to Austin. He's here in regard to the two of you. Okay, this is not sounding good. They said, most parents, when they're given this news, lose their mind. Over 70% of the people that receive the diagnosis we do, we did, divorce within a year. How many years we've been married, baby? 35? Oh, 36 in October. It's always the guy that knows because he has to get the presents. Yeah, that's worth clapping about. I've been pastoring this church 47 years, and I've been in love with that woman, married to her for 35. They said, 
And they're really blunt, you know. They don't want you to misunderstand. They don't want you calling back. They said, your son has an incurable neurological disorder for which there is no treatment, no cure, no hope. I got a little indignant. I was angry, not at them. But I said, hold on now, Doc. I don't mean any disrespect. You're a very learned man. But I have to say this. My wife is my witness. I said, no cure, no treatment. I can go with you. But now when you get to hope, now you stepped over into my field. And I started saying over and over again, patting him on the knee, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean, wholly lean, wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking All other ground is sinking stand. Be seated. Hopeless. No treatment, no cure. Here's what they said. And I'll let you be dismissed if no one leaves until I say okay. Here's what they said. Now we're going to be honest with you and we can help you. Most parents in this condition would put your son in an institution. He will never know you're his mother. He will never know you're his father. He will never go to school. He will never ride a bike. He will never have a relationship with another human being. He lives completely in his own world from which he'll never be released. That's what they said. Wait a minute. At that time, we had 12,000 people attending this church. I was preaching in the biggest coliseums this nation has to afford. I'm writing New York Times best-selling books about healing. You're telling Center Boston, a miracle. Uh, have your mom stand up beside you. 
Uh, Austin, uh, would you give your mom a great big kiss? Uh, stand up, Sinead. Uh, I permit you. Would you give your lovely lady friend a beautiful kiss? That's enough. Austin, have your sister stand up and give her a hug. Hey, Austin, where's your dad? Hey, Austin. Yes. Did you graduate from high school? Yes. You remember what your GPA was? 4.0. 4.3, actually. Right. Oh, it's not your miracle. I understand. Peas are not important unless they're your peas. But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives even unto death. So don't try to talk me out of it. Thank you, son. Be seated. Don't, don't try to tell me to be hopeless. Not over cancer, not over autism spectrum disorders, not over bankruptcy. You're not the only one that's ever drank a cup of sorrow. You're not the only one that's fighting today. I'm not going to tell you about today because I'm still fighting. But it'll break through. And when it does, I'll dance all over this building. I didn't say if it does, I said when it does. Because I have hope. Stand up if you've got hope. Point your finger and talk to your tomorrow. Say, I dare you not to be enthused. I dare you not to have hope. Jesus is alive. God is on the throne. Not today, devil. I came to take it back. I want it all back. Now shout because you know he heard you. God is no respecter of persons. He did it before. He'll do it once more. God will do it over again. Shout because you know you got victory. Come on. Let the devil know every single one of your children is coming into the kingdom of God. Let the devil know he can't have your family. He can't have your future. He can't have your children. He can't have your house. He can't have your mind. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day 
and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.